Yes, it's the Football Show. Back for a new season. Uh, we've been away for a little while, but thank you for joining us again. Joined today by Mark from FC Suomi. Hi, Mark. Hello. And Rich from Escape to Suomi. Hello. And as ever, I'm Mark from Explore Finland Radio Show. Um, traditional starts of the show. What shirt are you wearing, Rich? Uh, I've got the new Ilves shirt for this season, which is <laughs> sponsored by a local Tampere sausage factory. Um, it's not their regular sponsor, it's their local one, they're using cup games and friendlies, but I saw it and I knew I just had to have it. So uh, luckily, thanks to Ville at Ilves store for sorting me out. Um, I've, got, I've, got, I've got, got my name on the back as well. So. When I saw the, the nice. picture, when you shared it on uh, on Twitter, and there was only one sponsor, I thought maybe that was their, their European shirt for this year. It might be actually. I suppose I don't know how much sausages pay, um, but um, yeah, no, it'd be a good one. And um, yeah, no, it's good. I think uh, more clubs should be sponsored by local meat vendors and sending you a shirt from their store as well. Um, I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> um, I think before we before we go any further, I, I and I'm sure Mark want to say congratulations to you, Rich, and your much better half, Hunley, for the uh, new addition to the Nelson household. Um, is Amelia going to make an appearance tonight? Are you going to have both both kids on your own? Um, no, they're both in bed now, but um, I'm hoping that in sort of 16 to 17 years' time, um, Amelia, she's a little bit smaller and slimmer than her big sister. She'll be more of a, a number 10 for the Finnish ladies team. Whereas her big sister's going to be a big bruising centre half, but uh, their Finnish passports are being sorted as we speak, and uh, yeah, their Finnish is already better than mine. So <laughs> already, already after eight weeks, she's been better than you. This episode is live on YouTube uh, as ever, so we'll be checking out and see who's watching it live. I can see there's four people watching now, although one of those may include me because I'm keeping an eye on us. So. Uh, if there's if there's three others there, uh, use the uh, use the box at the side of the screen and say hi. Um, oh, we've got someone there already, uh, Vik Sisika, who's saying, "Is this going to start today?" Well, it's already started, so thanks for your thanks for your patience. It was Mark's fault; he had a little bit of a technical hitch. It's nice to know that there's actually people there waiting for us to get started. Um, this is uh, FFS 19, first full show of. 2018. There's been uh, a couple of episodes of Finnish football shorts earlier this year, so uh, go back into the archive and check them out if you've uh, if you've missed them. We're at that crucial time of the year when the Storman Cup is coming into the uh, the closing rounds. Um, there was also recently an international break where the Finnish national team, the Hukajat, the Eagle Owls, continued their recent run of, of good form. And uh, oh yeah, the Vakaus Liga is about to start, so it's all go at the Finnish football show right now. So we're going to pretty much focus on those three subjects today. We'll start with Suomen Cup, then we'll talk about Hukajat and Veikkaus Liga and, uh, and maybe one or two other little bits and pieces as well. So as I, as I said, we want your input. If you're a live viewer, make some comments on the, on the side of the screen there and uh, we'll try and uh, bring them into the conversation. Podcast listeners, use social media to get in touch with your feedback. Uh, our handles on Twitter uh, Mark is uh, at FC Suomi, Rich is at Escape to Suomi, and I am at Explore Finland. Uh, I'm not on there often, but I do check to see if anyone's 
making contact. So uh, so keep in touch with us. Um, and also you can find the Finnish Football Show Facebook group. Just ask us to join and we'll let you in, probably. Unless you're an idiot, then we might not. <laughs> We're um, not an idiot. I, I'm also planning to get the podcast out. The, the, the Bakehouse Liga, as we will talk about, starts this weekend on Saturday the 7th. So we will... Uh, or is it actually maybe tomorrow on Friday the 6th that the first couple of games? Uh, we'll, we'll try and get this out podcast out as quickly as we possibly can so that our preview has some relevance. Finally, before I shut up and let the others do their thing, Rich, no noisy biscuits and no F-bombs, please. Uh, I'll do my best. I've run out of biscuits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Glad. But I'm sure you got some rusks. You can always suck one of those. They're a lot quieter than this. Uh, got a bag in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go over to the Sawman Cup. Um, in the show notes for for this episode and in future, I'm going to try and put a link to uh, where you can kind of find the most up to date information about any particular topic that we're talking about. So you'll find those in there. Um, about a week ago, on the 29th of March, there were the with the four quarterfinal games, and that was followed earlier this week by the the two semifinals. Um, rather than me reading out a long list of results, do Rich, do you want to uh, talk everyone through what went on? Yeah, um, basically. So as Mark said, the the convoluted method of sorting out who reaches the knockout rounds. Um, we had five groups. The winners all went through to the quarterfinals. Um, the various runners-up played off to reach quarterfinals. Um, the semi-finals were Hoiko against Honka and EIF against Inter. Hoiko won 2-1, Inter won 5-0 in a game that was postponed due to snow. Uh, this year, uh, the Palolita have seen some sense. Uh, they've brought the final forward, and that will be played on the 12th of May. So that's Hoiko against Inter. That's going to be played at Hoiko Stadium, giving them a nice little home advantage. That's just they're what the, they need, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the holders and the league champions, but uh, that was a supposedly random draw made yesterday. Um, but the, yeah, because last year, the final, I think it was nearly six months between the semi final and the final. Everyone completely forgot about it um, until it rolled around again. The only sticky point about this now is that. Uh, the European place, so assuming Inter win the cup, don't qualify for Europe through the league, they have to wait about 17 months before they can play in the Europa League. So not 17, 15 months before they can play in the Europa League because next this season's place has already been sorted. But um, fair play to them, at least they've, you know, it's always nice to have a cup final in May. Oh, yeah. Uh, so playing Playing the semis in in March and the uh, sorry the the quarterfinals in March, the semis in April, and then and then it's only like maybe five weeks into the final. At least there's some momentum. That was the thing last year. It was like semi-finals in April, like you say, and then the the final in October. And it was I don't know, just didn't. Yeah, I mean it's um, I mean it's an improvement on last year. I mean the the whole cup situation. We we've made several comments on already. Um, the magazine AOM had an article on uh, Tuesday about the sort of loss of the magic of the cup. And I mean, this could apply to most European countries, really. Uh, it was the usual moans about the format and the clubs and, and Palolito. Now I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence with that one because while the cup is very much the poor relation, it's basically a pre-season tournament now. Um, there were some good comments with a bit of discussion on, on Twitter about it. And uh, Colm O'Neill 
there's an Irish guy who plays in one of the lower division teams, so Ruiz Good, one I'll talk about later. Um, he was basically saying that it's important that lower league clubs get a shot at playing a big team. It's mm. important for their history and profile. And at the moment, I think it's only four lower league clubs qualify for the group stage. So, um, I mean, there's well, a lot. What of are you do. classing as lower league? Do you mean outside of they outside cup? the top, outside the top two? Right. Um, okay. The some of the third division team or second division teams qualify as well, but um, basically any all the other clubs who do enter they play off and only four get through to the group stage. So um, I mean it's a it's a whole thing. It could take twenty years. It, a lot of it's nostalgia. A lot of it's me being an Englishman who remembers the cup finals of the eighties and nineties over here. Um, but you know at least they they've made a change with the final and hopefully it's a good one. I think it's it's worth noting as well that in the in the four quarterfinal games, so with those eight teams there, three of them were from from Ukenen, uh, and you had this this AEF uh, uh, from Rasaburi uh, um, playing Hakka, both both teams from the from Ukenen, so which meant that obviously AEF got through to the semis where they were had their ass handed to them on a plate by Inter. But anyway, they, they still got through to the uh, to the semi-finals. So, yeah. um, it, it is a bit of a mess, though, because, I mean, one of, the, one of the major reasons why they wanted to change the format was because they thought that the Liga Cup was basically wasting everybody's time at the start of the season. <laughs> so they'd rather waste it with the Swarman Cup. <laughs> well, yeah, so what they wanted to do was they thought that the Liga Cup was detracting from the, like, majesty of the, of the Cup, and they wanted to focus all the teams roughly on the Swarman Cup. But really what they've ended up doing over the space of, what is it now, it's only two years, I think, is just recreate what the Liga Cup was in the Swarman Cup. So it's really like, they've, what they've lost is, you know, like like Rich said, the games against teams like, you know, Coleman and Nellon and where you get some, uh, well, I mean, where, where the quality's, you know, the quality's not there, but you can get some like really entertaining sort of fixtures. And it's one of those sort of community-based like, uh, things it's 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 not easy to get people interested or, or committed to finish football at the minute, and one of the reasons is guys the the hundreds or thousands of guys that are registered players for for clubs lower down the pyramid, uh, they don't get a shot at the um, at the big boys anymore because nobody basically nobody nobody pays the like pays pay, pays the money for it. So we uh, we the, this this season's cup will finish in May and next season's competition starts in June, I'm guessing, Rich. Is that how it worked? Last um, it might be a bit later, but yeah, um, the idea was that this year's competition would finish before next year's one started because last year we had the farce of the final being of last year's, the previous year's being played around the time of the third round yeah. of this year's and it was a I think it's I think it's tidier and and I think we yeah. share the same kind of reservations about the format. But but good luck to Hoyiko and FC Inter in the in the final and to the to the fans of those teams. Let's move on to Hukayad. Mark, I, I copied my headline from the last time we spoke. The revolution rolls on. Yeah. Um... In in a way, yeah, in a way. So we've had we've had two games um, in in March against Macedonia and Malta. Neither of those two guys were were particularly strong like opponents, but um, we were sort of hoping to see something um, a, a bit special. The Macedonia game was was, a, was a, an incredible headache, and and I think we have to sort of say quite a large waste of time. 
but mm. in a strange way the 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 like the pit on the pitch i think that you can't have too many complaints about the style of play that canova's got the capabilities of the, of the players that are there and then how they're working together i mean one of the things that that finland has, has traditionally struggled with is is beating teams of like a lower order right so so you know, I, I remember sort of away trips to God, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, and Andorra, where we struggled like through quagmire pitches to to make any kind of, um, you know, any kind of any kind of impact on the game. And then Liechtenstein were over last year, and they they managed to sort of bog the game down and and keep everything restricted. So, so particularly after the after the Macedonia game which was a bit of a snooze fest i think there was a uh, a lot of fans had a, had a bit of sort of trepidation that the malta game would turn into one of those sort of like terrible grinding out result sort of sort of low low impact low energy affair and what turned out in the malta game was a nice easy 5-0 stroll in the park that had a lot of you know really nice positives from a from a uh, a finished perspective as an, Eng- so, as an Englishman, seeing the, uh, a result of someone five against Malta—that's what you—that's what you kind of expected sort of thirty years ago when we were kids growing up. And to see <laughs> Finland on the right end of one of those results was uh, was nice to see. And 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 the the goals just sort of flowing in. Yeah, they, I mean the goals the goals were flowing in. I mean one of the things you got to try and remember as well is that I think England played Malta last year, and I think they beat them four nil. So you know, I mean, you don't want to. You can't obviously read too much into it, but we're in that sort of category of of giving them a bit of a pasting. Um, I think the one of the the most encouraging things is that it wasn't like there wasn't a, a ton of caps on the pitch. So so Kalidaimi was playing his uh, first or second, depending on whether or not you're in FIFA um, game for Finland, and he looked pretty steady and solid, even though he was a little bit he was playing right back for for, for most of the game when he was there, and he doesn't tend to play uh, right back in the in the in the Vegas Liga, but he looked good. He got up and down quite well and, and got himself a goal and an assist. Um, Buki took his chances, you know, which is <laughs> it's not every it's not every show we get to turn around and say, yeah, Pukki just, you know, <laughs> just just got on the end of it and, and, and put it away. Um, Jensen, Magubi, um, Thomas Lamb looked good. Buru Soiri again got a goal. He looked pretty good. So a lot of the younger kids that are coming through got themselves in, involved in the game you know, moved their opponent around and, um, you know, had a, had a real sort of impact. So you can't read too much into it because it's Malta, but I mean, you can't, you can't really complain about a, a five nil win at the end. Can of the I read day. into it that the national team is now undefeated since June, 2017? Eight games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's genuinely like really, it's, uh, you know, you, you can't, like I said, you don't want to get too carried away. But but eight games unbeaten is a is a nice feeling, and it looks like, you know, I think after after the dark days of hands back, it, it just looks like we're back in a position of being like a standard international team. I think we're sixty eighth in the rankings at the minute. We won't get a ton of help from a five nil win over Malta, but we'll we'll move up a couple of places. I think in let's set to go to sixty third. Sixty third. Sixty third when they come out next week. Yeah. I have to. I have to say. I was about to say that the the da- the days of episode twelve in December uh, twenty sixteen with the title "Backer Sack and Crack" seem a long, long way behind <laughs> now. And I'd much. I'd be much happier writing headlines 
praising what's going on for the for the hookah. Yeah. Well, so you don't have to get don't get too far ahead of yourself because so while everything on the pitch was um, I think nice and, and, and relatively good and easy to understand, there was a couple of issues with first. So first of all, both of the games were hosted in the south of Turkey, and I think the I think the official report said that the attendance was two hundred, but it's like a round number. I'm pretty sure that's like I, I I'm pretty sure there wasn't two hundred people in the stadium watching the watching the game and it's a bit like one of the problems with the macedonia game is both teams looked at it like it was an away game right so everybody sat back there wasn't a particularly high pressure on the ball um there wasn't a, a particular impetus to you know to go for the to go for the jugular so to speak finland only created i think i think we only had two shots on and i think the first one of those was a, a pookie header at about 78 minutes something like that um so so both teams really sort of like felt each other out and it, it had the feel of a wasn't even like a, i mean it was barely even a training game the kind of intensity and i think if you're either in macedonia or in finland after about you know 45 50 minutes the crowd starts to get on the back and gives the players a bit of a bit of a yell bit of a push um to sort of get into the game so while everything on the pitch is looking all right this young players that are developing quite nicely um we seem to have kind of handled a little bit. I mean, it's only early days, but we've lost three players, three big players through retirements in the last couple of months, and we seem to have handled that relatively well. Um, but off the pitch, I don't know why you'd pick the south of Turkey to have two matches against two teams that that no neutral fan is going to want to see. <laughs> I mean, if you were if you were just like a like a a holiday maker on the south coast of Turkey, and you walked past the stadium and you had a look in and thought, "Who's that? Was that Finland, Macedonia?" Eh. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I think I think I think there's a happy hours on. So, <laughs> uh, um, we we talked in the last uh, um, episode in episode eighteen about the um, UEFA Nations League. And talked about the the theory behind it, but I don't think at the time the the group had been drawn. So I, I thought maybe we could just talk through that a little bit. Finland are in. I, again, I don't want to go into the, the big details. I think everyone's starting to get the hang of what the UEFA Nations League is all about, and that it's in these leagues, and within each league there are groups, um, and the teams will play each other twice, and. At the end of this this league stage, there will be some promotion and relegation, and it, there will also be opportunities for qualifications to uh, to the future um, Euros, European Championships. Um, without without going into any more detail than that, just to say that Finland are in League C, Group Two, along with Hungary, Greece, and Estonia, uh, and they're going to play six games later this year: two in September, two in October, and two in November. Um, personally, I'm, I'm starting to warm up to this idea, um, because it, it gives some meaningful competitive games in a, in a quite tight period of time over probably an eight week period against, and, and they're competitive in, in two ways. They're, it's, it's a competition that means something and they're between teams that should be of an equal kind of level. Therefore they're, they're competitive. Um, I know, Mark, you had some reservations maybe a year ago about is this going to take away Finland's opportunity to play teams and push themselves up through the rankings? But I, I kind of see this as being maybe positive and being a way to... There, there's no there's no team... The way, the way they're playing at the moment, 
none of those teams are unbeatable by Finland. And therefore, there's an opportunity to get one of those wildcard qualifying places, move up into a, a le- into the next league, maybe. You're smirking. Stop smirking, boy. Well, yeah, you have to remember I'm a bit of a curmudgeon, so <laughs> so I can't I can't be overly optimistic. No, I mean it's it's a it's a fair point. All those teams are beatable. the The other side of it is we've played all those teams in the last two years, three years, and all. I mean, in the last eight games. <laughs> no, Estonia, no. isn't it? Yeah, we actually Estonia is in in one of the last eight games. We beat them in November. Um, no, so it's good. Um, it's it, they are good. They are beatable teams. Um, Estonia look like uh, as a national team, they're in they're in a, a fair bit of trouble. So I think we we might be able to give them a bit of a pounding. But um, but I mean Hungary and Greece. Greece have sort of recovered from the from the devastation they were in a couple of years ago. So they won't be so easy, and they'll generally play unattractive football. Um, Hungary, uh, yeah, Hungary are, will be will be much of a muchness in in, in the same sort of vein. I think. If we can get about them and get into them, then then we might be able to make a game of it. But generally, what they'll look to do is strong arm the ball, block, like pile everything into the midfield, slow the game down, and stop it. Work on set pieces and long balls and counter attacks. So, in a sense, you sort of get back into that um, that um, sort of attritional football, and that's the bit that I'm kind of not worried about. But it would just be like, like you know. We, we, what the, some of the best memories of from the Olympia Olympia Stadium were were the like the three three draw against um, against Germany. You know what I mean? We've we don't have a great record against the big teams, but it's always good to put yourself up in that sort of space because it allows you to sort of play the game. And but then by winning that, winning this group, beating these teams that are around Finland and are beatable, then mm. you go up into a into a, a group that's in League B. Where you're playing against better teams, and isn't that allowed? To be, I mean, this this yeah, yeah. the the competition that that people have been crying out for for these really tiny teams that get thumped seven nil every time they play one of the bigger nations. It gives them a chance to play each other, compete against each other, and maybe start to develop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there is there is that element. It, you know, it'll give us a chance to progress and grow, and it's nice, and it's it sort of feels very. Um... You know, efficient and orderly, and FIFA. It's, it feels very bureaucratic. The like the trade-off is, you know, we don't have Trinidad and Tobago or or Japan or you know, some of the sort of sexier end of the other or uh, more interesting ends of the of the sort of football world to get in touch with. And that's, I'm always a bit sad. But then, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. <laughs> one thing I didn't one thing I didn't look up was. Um, if these games are being played September to November, when does qualifying for the next European Championship start? It's a bit later on. I think they don't, they're don't. they not doing the draw until February or March next year. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, um, because, again, they're going to condense those games. They already know, so they'll already know who the um, some of the wildcard entries might be. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it's, this is... It's, the, the Nations League is there to kind of bridge that gap. So then it, rather than having the Euro qualifiers spread over a year and a quarter, they're going to be condensed then into maybe eight or nine months. What, so starting maybe early, like like in a year's time, in spring yeah. 2019 yeah. and finishing by November? November, yeah. And therefore this, this Euro, this um, Nations League takes place every, is it every second year? I believe so, yeah. They, they uh, um, they're going to fit in around 
the World Cup as well. I think yeah. not obviously there's there's no qualification for the World Cup, but I believe there's some just to keep up that competitive momentum. Otherwise, you're then going to have four years between league promotion relegation. And what you mean is that there's no qualifying from the the, the Nations League into the World Cup, but they will no. keep the competition going just so that it becomes a regular thing. Yeah, there's no qualification prize, but there's still going to be promotion relegation and the League A will have a winner, as it were, they get a cup at Wembley. Yeah, I like this. I like this more and more. I think I think we'll we'll wait and see. If if Finland get, get hammered and England disgrace themselves, I might <laughs> I might turn on it as well. But for right now I'm I'm enjoying it. And and maybe this is why I've got my <laughs> retro. It wasn't retro when I bought it. <coughs> Finland shirt on. But but Finland will be gracing gracing the field in a in a new kit. Or or maybe they already are, Rich. Yeah, they um unveiled say unveiled in a very strange little video just before the Macedonia game. Um it's that time of year, you know, we're in the run up to a World Cup where the big companies bring out their kits for the big tournament. You've got uh Adidas seem to be raiding the early nineties for their uh, some of their kits, the, the Germany one is good, Colombia. Um, even Nike are doing well with, strangely, the, the, the teams that didn't make the World Cups. So USA, Chile have got great kits. Mm. Um, France, England have got their training kits. So going back to retro, even the England training kit looks like the Admiral 82 shirt, which yeah. is apparently very sought after. Um, Finland, on the other hand, have gone for what can only be described as the bargain bin again yeah. it's um i mean obviously it's, it's difficult especially for podcast listeners it's white with a bit of blue on it have you, but, have um, you how, how strange have you got a picture of this that you can maybe send to me and i'll put it in the show notes yes of course i can if i can even show it to the camera on ah. my phone that might work um but the point i was going to make was that um one of my followers and it was charisma official made the comment that it looks very much like the sort of outfit that Mother Teresa would used to wear. Now, um, <laughs> you probably can't really see it very well on the screen. But it's... Um, it's a bit yeah. bright, didn't really show. If you send it yeah. to me, I'll put it in the show notes. Imagine what Mother Teresa used to wear. It looks a bit like that, only with a Finland badge. Uh, I mean, if, if you want to know what it looks like, you go to Amazon.com and type in basic Nike football shirt <laughs> on sale. Yeah. And then click it, and then just scroll past the black and the yellow, and scroll, <laughs> scroll past the green and the purple, and then you know after after a while you'll get into that nice white and blue one. And yeah. that's the, I, can't, that's I can't wait! I can't wait to find! Can't wait to get one. I um, it's it's on sale in um, I think it's the fifteenth of April, Fanimo, and will no doubt be at the bargain price of about ninety euros. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Bear in mind the, the the last Finland shirt, which was incredibly dull, but. It served a purpose. Um, that's currently twenty-two pound at Sports Direct. So, served the purpose of of allowing the players to identify which of their teammates and and not look like deceased saints. <laughs> I know, well, I, I know the cow, the cowpat one got a bad rap, but I mean, if that's you know, if you roll the dice and every four or five shirts you get like a cowpat national team jersey, then I'd take that just to have a bit of flair or something like that. Just to have yeah. like like the American one, the USA kit's just lovely. It's like oh, that faded beautiful. stripe across. It's oh, it's just fan fantastic. You, um, you guys are real kit perverts. I haven't, I haven't seen any of this stuff. I prefer the term hashtag kit nerd, but um, yeah, it's one of those things. It's um, maybe I'm just going back to my youth, but um, it's. I'm not sure you. Rich. No, I'm still there. Um, but the kits that some of them, I mean, 
they're really plowing the retro stuff from the early 90s. Um, I mean, I, I, some of the kits that added that support out have been uh, fantastic. Um, and, you know, they're, they're the ones with the, the bold stripes down the shoulders and some of the, I think the Mexico one is almost identical to the one they had at the 94 World Cup. Yeah. Um, versions that Finland had in in their own white and blue that perhaps if Finland was still with Adidas, who knows, they might have them. Um, UEFA do a, a scheme actually where they arrange for countries, sort of lower ranked countries to get kits su supplied to them. Uh, they did one, I think they publicised last week for Liechtenstein um, and even that was nicer. It was a uh, Macron, but yeah, I'd have taken that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just any, anything with a bit of, you know, it's just a, yeah, white and blue trim. That's that's literally the only thing you can say about it. So is, is the official review from the Finnish football show, meh? Meh. Meh. Okay. Back to let's, let's go on to, let's go on to Vakehouse, Vakehouse Liga. Just a little bit of a, a summary from the end of last year. So Hifki and Yiyiko were relegated from Vakehouse Liga at the end of the season. They were replaced by Tepe, As and Honka, coming back to uh, Vakehouse Liga from Ukkonen. A couple of uh, traditional names there coming back into the, uh, into the top flight. Um, the, the season kicks off tomorrow and, this, and over this weekend. So let's go back to you, Rich. What do you, where, where do you want to take us to start with? Um, well, this week was the official launch. Um, they had a big media day in Helsinki and all the clubs go and uh, big press conferences and so on. And uh, the in a sort of way that's more similar to maybe MLS in America, the clubs publish their budgets for the year, um, make it quite clear. And, and like in a lot of leagues, the player budget, it could very well read like a league table. Um, set aside one and a half million euros this season for wages, uh, expenses, uh, player stuff, really. Um, if you go all the way down to the bottom, TPS uh, have budgeted 350 grand, so about a sixth of what Hoyko pay. Now, of course, the, um, the game's not going to be played off the pitch, but you'd like to think that with semi-competent people, which you know is a bit of a lottery anyway, uh, in charge, that should translate. Um, the, the rest of the top six, you've got Asikor, Inter, clubs that have got fairly well-off backers. Um, it is, you're looking a bit further down seeing Ilves, who came third last year, and they've only got a budget of just over half a million, which for a team that's in Europa League, um, if they get through a couple of rounds... In the Europa League, that basically earns that budget back. Um, obviously, it's a, that's a big ask. Um, but again, again, can you send me that that link and I'll put it in the show notes because that might yeah, of course, seem to have a have a look have a look through. And I think there's a general understanding nowadays that if you pay more in wages, you will attract mm. better players, and you'll probably do better in the league. Um, probably, and and I guess you know for the last. Have a long, but Hoikod are by far the best run, the best resourced club in Finland. Um, but for a couple of years, they didn't win the league when they really, off the pitch, are miles ahead of the competition. Um, obviously, last year they won the double, and but again, you're talking about the best players, it's such a lottery. Um, you know, we'll talk about the clubs have had best part of five months to bring in new players there's always quite a lot of turnover particularly around the foreign players that the clubs have um 
Hoiko signed Tuko from Ilves. He left without playing a game mm. and moved to Qatar. He was, I think, the second or third top scorer in the division last year. Yeah. Um, they've brought in two players on loan for the season. And I think, again, we're they did so well with Morelos a couple of years ago. They brought him on loan from Colombia, signed him on a permanent deal, flogged him to Rangers. And now he's, they're looking at um, a deal of, you know, I think Chinese clubs were sniffing at him for about 10 million quid. Um, and Hoiko apparently have a 10% sell-on. So if he does move on, great for them. Um, they've signed a Brazilian fella on loan from, uh, I think it's Hoffenheim. Klaus. Klaus, yes. And, Klaus um, the Brazilian. <laughs> Klaus the Brazilian. And yeah. um, they've also signed an Egyptian international striker, Amo Gamal, who's... Uh, amazingly in this year's Panini sticker book so he must be good um, he is coming on loan until August with I think the idea is that if he hits the ground running for Hoiko gets a few goals he might get into the World Cup squad bit of a stretch but um, and, and again you know we, we talked about transfers that there haven't been the huge amount the, the, the most interesting one I guess is probably Tei Taiwo who was at Hoiko a couple of years ago as a left back was at one point the top scorer in the league from left back. He used to play for Marseille, AC Milan, QPR. He's now at Rob's. There was an interview of him in the Il de Salamat today, on Thursday. He's moved there because Rob's new coach, Tony Koskala, used to manage Clubby 04, who's Hoiko's reserves. Mm. So they have that connection. He's gone there really for just a change. I think his family is still in Italy where he lives normally, but you know, he's real world class. World class world cup appearances he's got that pedigree i mean even at hoiko a couple of years ago he stood out like a sore thumb he was that good um rops have had a bit of a transitional year last year they've got a few young kids and and he should do well there he's i don't think he's even on particularly big money i mean it's not like he he said in the interview today he didn't really need it he's just there as as a new challenge and you know why not go to lapland when yesterday they played a training match against uh KPV and it was really heavy snow. It's all, um, all that experience, yeah. it's all good experience. Yeah, it's good for the kids, and you know he's he's quality player. So, um, uh, and again, it just goes to show that that's that's yeah, my it's, next it's stop. <laughs> yeah, it's networking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And that game that was played in the snow yesterday would have uh, would have come under this uh, new rule about no postponements then. Yeah, well, that came out of the, of the media day where um, Ari Lati, who's the new chairman or president of Palo Lito, and the um, president of Vakehaus Liga, Mati Apunen, they talked about um, the general process of improving the infrastructure and stadia in the country. Um, we've already had in the last couple of years some new stadia, you know, from Senyoki and Barca um, and Rovaniemi. They're looking at making these properly fit for purpose they've essentially banned postponing matches on weather grounds in advance i suppose if it happens on the day there's not much you can do about it but um they've basically said that you're not allowed to postpone it purely because the pitch isn't ready they've said the only alternatives you've got are to switch the venue so you can play a nearby artificial pitch if it's suitable or uh, or you can switch to play at the opponent's stadium so your home game becomes an away game that doesn't get 
exchanged, you just basically lose that home game. Um, now, a day after the rule change came out, we've already had our first victim. Um, TPS, whose first home game of the season is next week against Asico, they, uh, the pitch at the Veritas Stadion, it's been bubbling on social media for a few weeks, is a dreadful state. They've had, it wasn't in any condition anyway. They had really bad snow this week. So they've said that they have to move the game to Valkyakoski, which is 100 miles away. Yeah, it's, it's just sort of south of Tampere, isn't it? Yeah, so they've got to. So that their alternative was either to play that game in Salioki, giving Asiko the home advantage, or they'll play in Valkyakoski. So um, they've swallowed that. It's their first game back in the division after, I think, three years' absence, and they've got to play at Hacker Stadium. It's in, it's interesting concept because there's while there are two or three very good stadiums with the artificial pitches there are a lot of a lot of clubs without that without that luxury and yeah. it's been a long like a long tough winter there's been snow on my garden for about 5 months now i reckon mm. um and if i had to get a game on tomorrow i think i'd be struggling so knowing that the league especially if this was announced this week and the games are meant to start in a couple of days' time. Uh, but but knowing that the league is about to start and you've still got, I don't know, a foot of snow there, okay, you can clear it, but it's still it's still coming down as well in certain areas. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like it because if you remember, I mean, the start of last season, I was we were we were we were pretty miffed at the at the sort of we we got to a place I think after about a month where there were teams that had played five six games and others that had barely had done one, mm. and it's 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 a really weird sort of disparity. And I think the thing is, it's like it sounds a bit sort of harsh to start with, but there's two types of problems. There's your your your, your PS Chemi type of problem, which is that it's going to snow there until like probably june <laughs> i don't know like like at least until vapu so un until about may but but last year they didn't really kind of come up with any contingency plans they they ended up calling games off like on the day and then you've got your your um your uh, veritas stadium type of problem which is that uh, the weather conditions aren't probably that bad it's just the pitch the pitch doesn't get it to get itself into that condition so at least what you've got is now clubs thinking about well we need to take care of our pitches and we need to start planning ahead for like for for fans and for the club because there's an actual penalty to it. So I don't know. I, I quite like the other side of it. Was this announced earlier, or has this been sort of have the clubs been informed recently? Um, no, they they apparently there was a, a vote, but it came out yesterday at the media yeah. launch. Um, obviously, I don't know what the rules are. I should do really about. Uh, votes and and say in the Premier League, for example, in England, they any rule change they have to get two thirds of the teams to agree before they'll change a rule. Um, you've already had the chairman of EFK Malliham coming out and saying that it's it's very much penalising them because yeah they always seem to play Hoik or in Helsinki. They don't have an alternative on their island. Mm. They have to then travel to the mainland as well. You know, so you're adding the travel. Um, I, I mean, again, I'm I'm sort of in in two minds. I think in a couple of years' time, I know there's there's a lot of projects about new stadium in, in Kuopio and, and Honka. Um, even Hoiko talk, talking about a new ground, but not that it really affects them at the moment. But um, you know, you've got Kemi having to play their games in in Rovaniemi and in Oulu. Yeah. I, I think a couple of years' notice might have served a little bit better purely to give them a little bit more time. But then, as you say, 
otherwise you're looking at especially with games around the European times you're having to cram them in and players already moan quite a lot on Twitter about having to play so many games in uh, in the period of time that the league's on there was a stat that came out last year that Finland had the most condensed calendar in Europe in terms of number of games per um, for the length of the season anyway they had the most um, or the fewest days in between games on average so otherwise you're looking at huge burnout and again you know, there's seven, still risks seven months, seven month season and what 33 league games and not really any cup games not really not for the not for the top mm. teams I reckon they should quit belly aching get on and play football <laughs> I'd do it for free <laughs> I mean, I suppose the other thing to think about as well is that is, is teams like Yiko, because you mentioned like the the massive disparity already in budgets at the start, right? Like between Hoyiko and and like the the, the lower end of the league, mm. an and team that comes up, and then let's say is disaffected by weather and has to shift three or four games. That's like that's two players. There's a player or two players to a like to a, a like somebody like like Yiko came up and they went straight back down. But I mean, there's there's teams in Ukraine where you think. If, if they don't have anything kind of to hand locally, then then they'll be properly shafted by that because it's because it costs money. But um, oof. let's look let's look just a little bit further down the the league table. We also discussed this in episode eighteen at the end of end of last year, but about the academy teams and and I don't know if there are reserve teams. Uh, looking at the league at the league tables, there's Hoyiko Klubi O four in Ukkonen. There's Honka um, and Hifki Academies in, in Kakunen Group B and Asikors Academy in Kakunen Group C. Some of these were, like Asikors was Asikors slash two. So I don't know if Ooh. it's actually academy team or reserve team or, or quite how it, how it works out. But um, there's been a bit of a furore in the UK about youth teams or whatever playing in the, in the EFL Cup. Um, Rich, you got your head in your hands. Is that uh, at the thought of academy teams playing in the league? I mean, it's it's. I guess in Finland it's slightly different. It's kind of been going on for a while. I mean, the, the issue in England is that there is that infrastructure and history and background where so many towns, regions have their own clubs and identities. Um, in Finland, I, I suppose it's slightly different in that um, those clubs are already in the system and they don't really have reserve leagues. I mean, that's a whole other argument about either stockpiling of players or the, the disparate size in, in academies themselves. But um, we are getting to the point where if Clubby 04 have a good year, uh, they're not going to be allowed to get promoted. It's going to warp that division. Um, you've also got in Kakan and Kups's farm team, Fufu, they... Um, you know, so I think you've got four reserve academy sides in that third division as well. Um, we already, you know, we have a good laugh when they draw each other or play each other in the cups, but I know the league system doesn't allow it, but there is a huge difference when, or if Clubby turn up for a game in the Hoyuk or coach, um, they train in by finished standards, state-of-the-art facilities, they have the access to all the good coaching and, and everything um, against a team of, you know, part-timers, uh, players who either on their way up or on their way down. It's, it does kind of warp things a little bit. I mean, I'd, 
I'm not going to get into the sort of fan culture side of it, um, but it's, it is a little bit, maybe just to me or, or to us, it's, it's a little bit strange, but unfortunately I think we're, we're kind of past that now and it, and it happens in plenty of other countries in Europe as well. Yeah, it's a bit. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it something doesn't sit right with me about it. I don't. It, it, I, I like. I don't mean to be sort of demeaning or anything, but Finland just doesn't sort of seem. It doesn't feel big enough to have like a, a like a league system that's that's got academy teams in it because because those academy teams carry with them so much like preparation and so much kind of care and they, they've got like everything everything that they they could possibly need. Like they've got cover and and like uh, infrastructure around them like a Vekos Liga team. And it's not like it's not it's not exactly an even playing field when when that's the case because they've got like physios and coaches and you know ev- like everything else and it's a bit I don't know. It it just seems like it just seems like everything seems to be geared towards this sort of bureaucratic you know UEFA version of what football should be and it, and it seems like in that model it's going to be really hard to get like fans on board to get more people involved. You know, like in the sport, because it's it's got to be a turnoff, or it, or I can tell you, it is a turnoff when you when you when you've got like ten ten or well, what, what, yeah, like fifteen guys with you, and you've got your boots that you've you know tried to take care of and scrub, and you've got your kit from the guy whose turn it was to wash it, and then a a, a coach rocks up and out pops you know three or four coaches and tracksuits, and then a bunch of teenagers that all look like they can do about a hundred meters in you know, 10 and a half, 11 seconds. And you think, Jesus Christ, lads, this is going to be, this is going to be a hell of a, a hell of a match. And it's, I mean, you know, the competition's good and all the rest of it. It's just, it's sort of, it's possible, it feels almost like it's like a, like a two tier system. It's possible. It could be very much two tier system where, where you have the, the Vakehouse Liga and then Ukunen is full of academy teams for those clubs that are in the Vakehouse Liga. Um, if you know, it's possible that from the the, the three Kukkonen divisions, that two of these academy sides could get promoted into Ukkonen. Um, and I don't know. That's I, I I kind of I I kind of agree with Mark. I think on this one, Rich, just that it sits a little bit un uneasy. Yeah, with me, and and is le- a bit less somehow a bit less interesting to see the. The academy sides playing against each other in the in the second, potentially in the second flight of the of the the, the professional league, I suppose. Yeah, because you, you, there are teams, you know, that historically big clubs. Uh, and I know there's a, again a high turnover of, of clubs for what they are. They they fold, they reform, they fold, they reform. Um, but there's you know, there's there's clubs with huge history. So even Haka in Ukenen. You know, the second most successful team in, in Finland's history um, are going to be competing against Hoiko Reserves. Mm. Next season, it could be Asikor Reserves, Honka Reserves, Cooks Reserves. Mm. Um, you know, this is a club with, I think, nine league titles. Um, they got to a Cup Winners' Cup quarter final in our lifetime. It's, you know, playing against we people. Lost. We, we lost you there for a minute, Rich. Oh, um, the last um, thing I heard was that you got clubs with nine league titles. Yeah, Hacker have got nine league titles. Yeah. You, uh, you know, they've, they've reached the Cup Winners' Cup in in the last sort of 25, year, 30 years. And yet they're going to be playing against, you know, basically reserve teams because there isn't that appetite to set up a reserve league. It's, 
it's, I don't know. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's uneasy with me. I'm just trying to caveat it with um, maybe it's my English hat. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. Because, so, I mean, the other thing is that those youngsters, they need, like, you know what I mean? If you want proper development, they need mm. they need all the support they can get, and we need all the coordination around them to try and get them to kind of improve on their game. But it just hurts. It hurts. It hurts old then, fellas, like, old fellas like me. But then Lati, <laughs> Lati folded the academy side at the end of the season and said that they'd yeah. start loaning players out instead. Now I don't know if that's because they got relegated from their division, but um, they've said, in their opinion, that the um, academy team. Setup didn't really suit them. You mean the Lauti uh, academy team got got relegated? Yeah, so they got relegated from uh, I think it was Kakkonen or Kormen, and, um So they've decided rather than have an academy team at all, they'll just make more efforts to loan out their players. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's it's about an hour's train. It's about an hour, an hour on the train into Helsinki Centre. So I think mm. I think the, the catchment area of Hoyuko Hoyuko's. I mean, I mean, the amount of the number of squads and teams that they have in in uh, in all the divisions is is enormous. So it's not an easy. That's not an easy kind of catchment area. Hoyko, one of Hoyko, I think it was their under 14s played PK 35s women and beat them five two. I think in a couple of months ago. Mm. Uh, so this is a team of under 14 boys. Um, but again, that's probably the best eleven. 16 under 14s in Helsinki, or something in the in the region. Did we did we have anything to say about interesting transfers during the close season, or did we cover that earlier when um, we about I did have one that came out this week. Um, Yaro have signed a player, a Mexican player who won an Olympic gold medal in 2012. He was on the um, Chavez. He was actually on the pitch in the final when they beat Brazil in at Wembley. Uh, and they Yaro made a big thing about the fact that the Brazil team had Neymar, Hulk, uh, Thiago Silva, and this guy is now at Yaro. So um, if that's a good thing or not, I don't know. I think he was last playing in Syria. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's nice. You know, it's, um, he's a Mexican international uh, player. Well, he is. You know, I think um, he wasn't just one of their under twenty-three players. I think he actually has a couple of senior caps, but oh, sombreros. But um, he, <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> he he'll be playing for Yarrow this season anyway. Okay, good. That that definitely counts as a as an interesting um, transfer. Let's keep it keep an eye on that. Um, Unless anyone has anything else to add, I reckon we've been nice and tight. We've been going for about 50 minutes, which is somewhat miraculous for the Finnish football show after a, a couple of months off. Um, but how about a quick reminder of, of our sites? Uh, Mark at FC Swarmy, you've got regular reports on Hukayat players um, around the world. Um, and I noticed that on your, on your site there's a, a, a review of the recent Malta game and also a, a, a brief article about some uh, some loanees of Hukayad players that have gone overseas. Yeah, Robert Taylor uh, scored on his debut. I think it was Monday for Tromso. He went he went to Simo Valakari's trapped uh, Tromso. So we've got a I've got to think. I need I think I need to work the hot links on that one again. Um, but he scored an Aero Markin and scored in the in the Danish Cup uh, earlier this week. So they're doing a bit a bit of all right. 
And Rich, looking at your site, uh, Escape to Swarmy, uh, your most recent article is about your, your latest sponsorship deal. Um, yeah, again, uh, not having much time on my hands, there, there aren't many updates, but um, this year I've been sort of helping out a lower division club in Helsinki called Ruisku, who play in the fifth division, but they are mainly a club uh, filled with British and Irish expats who live and work in Helsinki. Um, the rest of the squad is made up of players of all sorts of nations. There's quite a, a diverse mix there. Um, so basically this season will be following their Regions Cup campaign. They are genuinely hoping to get promoted into the fourth division. Uh, they've also, well, so if we, I'm going to give myself a bit of credit. There was a bit of a story went around a couple of weeks ago that an English player in the lower leagues who uh, he left his club in Division 8, Evesham United in the Southern uh, League. Uh, he's moved to Finland to live with his girlfriend. He, looking for a club in Finland, got in touch with me. He is now training with Rui School in Helsinki while he sorts himself out, gets, gets his registration sorted. Um, so Paul hopefully will be playing for Ruiscu anytime soon. And if Ruiscu are playing or have to resort to playing in their third kit this season, anyone seeing that will see Escape to Swarmy on the front of their shirts. Fantastic. I'm tempted to try and get hold of one of those just so I can have your, your name on my shirt. I, I yeah, they're a lot nicer than the Finland ones. <laughs> I, 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 got, I, got, I got to choose the colours, so um, yeah, they're a lot nicer. I'm impressed by your first foray into being a, a football agent, Rich, but uh 30 percent of nothing it doesn't it doesn't come up to much you can't retire just yet on that well no but um i'm gonna put that on my linkedin profile so. <laughs> my first my first transfer negotiated find us free that's good, good good stuff i think i think we should have a regular update rich even if it's just uh recent scores and uh and current league position for roy school as we go through the season yeah well i'm hoping um the manager gav martin um hoping to do a little finish football shorts um we'll, we'll probably have a little skype chat for um 10 15 minutes and, and we can talk about the club and and even maybe just a little bit of the state of lower division football in the Helsinki region because uh, there's a very, very diverse mix of clubs down there. Um, a lot of them have some very interesting stories. <laughs> oh, that would be, that'd be good. It'd be good to get some some other content going out there. And uh, I, I think we should we should have a little shout out to Keke and to uh, Henry, uh, who have contributed in the past but have been a bit quiet of late. So uh, come on, fellas. Let's... Surely Keke must have a, a trip overseas to watch the uh, the Finnish national team coming up soon and he can maybe do a little something for us. Although he tends to have a lot of difficulty remembering his trips overseas. To, uh, <laughs> I'm meeting him for a beer in a couple of weeks. Uh, we, there's a classic football shirts exhibition in London uh, later this month. Um, and yeah, So we're going to meet up there and, and go for a beer and, and have a look at some of these old kits. A classic football shirts exhibition. Yep. You are a deviant. I'll be wearing my Peru shirt with pride. <laughs> okay, um, that's enough because all I'm doing now basically is insulting Rich, and uh, nah, no, no, no need for that. Um, remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Search for my name, Mark Wiltshire, or search for the Finnish Football Show. I will do my damnedest to get this podcast out as quick as possible. Um, so if you really want to listen, if you've watched this already and you really want to listen to it again, then. Uh, 
what's wrong with you? But um, please, please do. <laughs> and and uh, if you just listen to the podcast, let us know your your thoughts on what we've been talking about using the the Twitter handles that I mentioned before. Um, and until next time, Mark, thanks a lot for joining me. Cheers. And Rich, thanks a lot. Thank you. And the listeners, thanks for joining us. See you again soon.